It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much for listening. But it would mean the world to me if you guys would subscribe, if you guys would rate the um, uh, podcast. And then last but not least, if you're listening to this on Anchor, please leave me a message. Have any further questions. I am still in contact with Cammie. Uh, we're buddy-buddy now on Instagram. It is super exciting. I love it. I'm excited. Um, so any questions for moving forward for Cammie herself? Any of the above, if you have questions, let me know. If you're listening to this on Anchor, leave a message. Um, And don't forget to please subscribe and rate the podcast. Much love. Catch y'all on the flip. Deuces. Welcome back, you guys. Thank you very much for joining me. My name is Swadik Mayanja, and yes, I am Q the Nurse. And on this channel, I bring you news, current events, and fun topics for nurses everywhere. Today, we are on another episode of the Everyday Hero Show, where I bring to you someone in my life or someone in your life that brings joy, happiness in our lives, but does not get the credit that they deserve. And this, and today, I am lucky I have Cammie um, Kessler on. She's a nurse practitioner, master's degree in nursing. Um, she did L&D for 12 years, decided not to become a midwife, became a family nurse practitioner, um, Mother of five, married to Dr. Kim. Kim, my God, I want your life. Can I have your life, please, and thank you. Oh, my gosh, Q, you're so awesome. Thanks for having me. This is this is fun to be here with you this afternoon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so why don't you just give me the real quick origin story, um, where are you from, um, and why nursing? Okay, I grew up in Indiana, southern Indiana, Jeffersonville, right by Louisville, Kentucky, where the Derby is. Oh, good. Um, then we moved to Utah, where I went to high school. I played high school basketball, which led me to a college basketball scholarship. So I played basketball in Colorado. Wait, real talk? Real talk. Can you oh, back in the college day? basketball scholarship? I'm retired, Q. The, the sneakers are hung up. They're <laughs> hung up. Well, you, you did Indiana. It makes sense. Good for you. All yeah. right. So um, I met my husband, uh, Doc Cam, who was actually a radio DJ. When I first met him, he was in Colorado oh, in college. I don't, so I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's too soon, but he might be next on the show. I don't know. It's a whole nother story, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so he switched career paths because I was in the nursing uh, field, something I always wanted to do. That was just... That was where my heart was. There was no question. Nursing was where I was going. Um, And so I think he got a look into the medical field, and he loved it, and he switched. And so um, from Colorado, we went to Arizona, then to San Diego. We went back to Colorado for residency. And currently, we've been in Utah um, for about eight years now. So we reside Mm. in Highland, Utah. Yeah. So Utah is – it's Utah. So (laughs) why, why, why Utah? Q, have you been here? It's a hidden gem. I'm telling you, people that come to Utah say, I had no idea. They, everybody loves it here. They want to move here. It's a lot like Colorado. The seasons are awesome. Um, we have family here. My husband's from Idaho, so it's close to his family. Wonderful. Um, it's a little bit of the best of both worlds, a little bit country, but we're still um, you know, in the city a little bit. So our family loves the outdoors and that's kind of what brought us back here. I've definitely seen that on the inset and we'll get there, but let's talk about nursing. Okay. Cause, cause you're a nurse yes. practitioner. Um, you have your master's degree in nursing um, and you did L and D for 12 years. So let's talk about when you got out of nursing school, was it straight to L and D and then that's where the pro- that's where it all kicked off. Did you do any med search? How did it end up? I want to know why you're, are you asking me if I did med surge? Are you going to judge me? <laughs> that question, depending on what I say. <laughs> I, I, keep, 
I can't say I won't, but I'd love to know. Okay, well, so when I graduated, let's see, back in 2002, mm-hmm. and I came out of nursing school, and I said, I'm going to go straight into labor and delivery. And you know what people said to me? You'll ruin your nursing career. You'll never get hired in labor and delivery. Um, I got my first job on the day shift yes. in labor and delivery um, at an amazing hospital in South Phoenix that was very underserved and the were best thing doing, I ever did. Were you doing nights, days? I did days. Can you believe that? Full I got time? a day, day shift full time. Oh, goodness. Because they said they didn't want all the new grads on the night shift. So they oh, kind of alternated on the hiring. So it was kind of baptism by fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but only labor and delivery, some postpartum, some newborn nursery. Um, but that's just where my passion was. There was just no getting around it. So, so I have to say during my clinicals and nursing school, I think I enjoyed, I enjoyed labor and delivery by far. The, it's just like, um, obviously I know, I know bad things does happen in labor and delivery, miscarriages, you know, congenital heart defects, all of these things can happen, you know, postpartum right. hemorrhage, all of that stuff happens, but. But, but, I was lucky enough that throughout my entire clinical at Labor and Delivery, it was literally the only time I can remember being in the hospital where it was happiness through and through. It's just good things happening. It's an amazing, amazing place to be. It's an amazing place to be. A lot of times people said, well, how do you like your work? And sometimes I would be like, it's not work. Like, I literally loved it that much. Um, And the thing about labor and delivery, too, it is really critical care because some people say, well, don't you get bored? It's just, you know, laboring patients all day. But um, a lot of pathophysiology, a lot of critical care, you're really taking care of two patients. One of them you can't even see, you know. Um, And so I loved it. I loved loved working in the hospital. I miss it. I actually miss labor and delivery. Okay, so so that's a good transition, and you are pretty good at this, my friend. Um, So you miss it. Yes, so when did you decide, I'm not going to work labor and delivery anymore. I am going to do, um, you know, go get my master's, go become a nurse practitioner. When did that happen? So when I graduated with my bachelor's degree, you know, because I did a bachelor's program, whereas some people start with, you know, their associates and they go to bachelor's. I did my full bachelor's program and started. And when I graduated, I said, I will never go back to school <laughs> ever again um, in all of my entire life. Like yes. it is over, it's just never happening. Um, and then about 11 years into my nursing career, I started having kind of an itch, like I wanted to do more. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to be diagnosing. I wanted to be giving some of the orders, you know, and I just had this really burning desire. I'm very passionate about education. Makes sense. Um, and I had a hard time, like when I would educate a patient, I felt like they, they listened to me, but sometimes when the physician or, a, a, you know, a nurse practitioner came in and then they would educate them, they, I felt like sometimes they would, oh, okay, well now we believe, you know, what oh, was. Yes. And I don't think I had that my whole nursing career, but kind of towards the end, I just kind of felt that and I wanted to do more. And so that's when I decided to go back. That's when I decided to go back. Thank so, it was difficult. It was a difficult decision. Um, and truly to like the day before when I actually had to pay for my tuition, oh, I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then I punched in that credit card number online and I said, this is it. And I went for it. So, yeah. Uh, good for you. I, I just, I think, I don't know. It's just the schooling. I'm the same with you. School has always been rough on me and I did do the associate's degree program and I'm currently in an on all online pro, um, program to get my bachelor's degree. Um, and school has just been super tough for me through and yes. through. Um, yes. One day I would hope to continue to further my education and, and we'll get there with you if you want to DNP, maybe that's in the future. But um, 
Yeah, school is just, it's tough. It really is a difficult decision to make. Um, but, but I have to say, um, going from an associate's degree to a bachelor's degree, I find frustrating because I feel like once I get my bachelor's degree, I'm going to be doing the same thing I am now. You went to get your NP, right? So it, you, there's definitely an end goal. It's going to be different at the end, right? As Was it like I graduated with my um, nurse practitioner, I got my master's, I finished school. Was it right away I'm... Can you work as an RN if you have your NP? Is that even a thing? Yes, you totally can. Absolutely. You can really? choose You can choose to work under whichever license, at least in my state. You know, some okay. states are different. That makes sense, yes. They're licensing. Um, but in Utah, I could work as an RN or as an NP. Okay. Um, so that's totally up to me. So just because I got my nurse practitioner and I have my master's, that doesn't void out my RN. RN. Okay. So if I want to go get a job um, as an RN at Labor Delivery, I can do that tomorrow, but I mean, I'm practicing under- uh, RN license. license. Yeah. Wow. All right, so I want to get to the meat of this, right? So you're, okay. you're a family nurse practitioner. What does that mean? Are you taking care for everyone from zero to what, 21, 26? What's the age group and what exactly is, if you have a focus, what is it? This is a great question. When I originally went back to master's school, um, yeah. because my experience was in labor and delivery, I was like, I'm getting my midwifery degree, um, which is a master's degree. It can be a doctorate degree because a lot of people think midwifery, they think, you know, birthing in your front living room with boiling water. And that's, that's not the case when you're getting, and after the first semester, mm. I really thought that's going to really narrow my focus so much. And I'm just not sure that I could take on that schedule, the call schedule and everything. Cause my husband has a busy schedule and it was a giant, once again, leap of faith for me to reapply to get into the family nurse practitioner program because my background was so heavy in midwifery and women's health. I was so good at it. Yes. Um, reapplying into family nurse practitioner brought in elderly, brought in men, brought in pediatrics, brought in that med surge that I didn't have. But I'm telling you, it was the best thing I ever did for myself. It really made me get the cobwebs out. I started back kind of at the ground floor. And I still thought in my mind I would end up at women's health is what I thought I would end up. Because in family nurse practitioner, you can work Depending on where you live and yes. what the job needs are. Yes. Where I live, I could work geriatrics, hospice. I could work in the hospital, um, pediatric, women's health. As a family nurse practitioner, my degree and my license covers all those areas. Oh, so, yes, from newborn till death. Where, whenever that comes. Correct. Yes. Um, so, when I was doing my rotations, I was like, well, I'll end up in women's health because that's where my, you know, experience is. Yes. And yes. I did my pediatric rotations and I fell in love with that population. I fell in love with the pathophysiology. I fell in love with these little resilient patients um, who listen to you. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with parents who people are like, well, that's going to be so annoying. You're working in pediatrics. You know, parents are annoying. I fell in love with these parents who, no matter their background, no matter the struggles they were having, when they bring their kids in, they will do whatever they can to help their kids. Um, they listen to you, and they really want to be a part of a team to help their kids. And I just couldn't help myself. And so right now, that's where my specialty is, is I work with kids. I work pediatrics, so newborn to 19 years old. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, good for you. Good for you. So, yeah. yes, um, newborn to 19 years old. Um, yeah. You have quite the few questions. Um, and because you have labor and delivery experience, I feel like we can start at the newborn. It makes just the most sense. Um, I have a few questions. Okay. So, hey. the baby is born. 
They come into this world. It's a beautiful, young, amazing baby, right? Those cheeks. I love those cheeks. Um, um, Vaccinations. Can we just talk a little bit about vaccinations? Just because um, I know it's not as big as it was a couple of years ago, but a couple of years ago, there was this explosion of people saying, you don't need to vaccinate your kid. It's going to cause your kid to have Down syndrome. You, you, you know, just do it the all natural way and everyone else is vaccinated. So you don't have to worry because no one will get measles. I'm like, oh, my God, please, can you help right. educate, help? Okay. This is a very sensitive topic. Okay. Okay. Yes. Um, and actually, our pediatric clinic in the community where I live, my mm-hmm. pediatric clinic is the only clinic that will take families that don't vaccinate. Stop. Okay? Wait, really? Yes. Oh, so Jesus. all the other clinics, you have to be vaccinating your children. You have to be getting at least one vaccination per visit. So you can do a delayed schedule with them, mm. um, but you have to be getting vaccinated. At our clinic, we accept families that don't vaccinate. Um, do I vaccinate my children? Yes, all five of them get their vaccinations. Absolutely. Do I get a flu shot? Yes, I get a flu shot. Okay. Um, so when you're talking vaccinations and you're talking families, um, it's a sensitive topic because people do have different backgrounds. They do make different parenting choices. Um, and a lot of that, which I have an amazing booklet. I am huge on research, Q. I'm huge on what is the proper research show us. And if you do do your research, you will see that the media exploits research that is not backed. Okay. Um, small populations, small amounts of time. Um, and so it's difficult. I mean, like the HPV vaccination right now for the teenage girls. Um, there are all these small studies coming out, you know, scaring parents that it's going to do all this damage to their to their teenagers. Um, but rather than say to, to parents, um, you don't vaccinate, you're crazy, or, well, I'm not even going to see your child. We bring those families in, we educate them, we talk about their specific questions, and we work with them. And I feel like that's the best approach to many areas of medicine. Well, of um, course. But- but the but the really the bottom line is do I vaccinate my five children? Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah so okay. Yeah. Okay. And 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 I appreciate you saying that, but I really you don't have to let, let us know what you do with your personal <laughs> life. But I do want to know what you do with your patients, right? What you educate your patients and how you yeah. do so. And I I love that you do that, right? Because I had no idea that there were certain clinics that said absolutely not. I knew there were schools that had the right to say you can't come in. But I, how can you consider yourself for a hospital if you say no to a patient i just don't see that as a yeah it's true so we get a lot of those families so and the reason why i do tell you i I vaccinate my kids is because saying that to families it's not like i'm you know in the clinic dishing out my personal life but that does say something that says as a uh you know a medical professional who's been in years of school read all the research but also as a mom of five that is what i do and that is probably one of the only you know personal pieces of information that i will share with my families because i do think that that says a lot to parents so whether you know that's going to get them to vaccinate or not vaccinate but it's letting them kind of know where i stand without getting in a heated debate with them of course of course Um, there's a couple of other touchy um um, subjects i would like to talk to you about so number one number one i do want to ask you about breastfeeding um, yes. Nursing school, breastfeeding was, if you're giving birth, you're breastfeeding. If you're not breastfeeding, you, what are you doing, right? So is breastfeeding as amazing and as necessary as I am? I was taught? And like, and just in being in Boston, Massachusetts, breastfeeding is like the one thing you must do as a mother. Yes. Is, your question was, is breastfeeding amazing? <laughs> 
<laughs> let me let me start with yes. <laughs> let me start with this. Breastfeeding research is concrete. Yes. Okay. The benefits of breastfeeding um, are eye-opening. They're reassuring. Um, is it for everybody? No. Is it very difficult for some? Yes. Is it a breeze for some? Yes. So when we're talking about breastfeeding, we're talking about lactation and the importance of our newborn's health, yeah. obviously you'll hear breast is best. Yes. Then you'll hear a lot of campaigns that say, well, fed is best. Fed is best. What's you fed? Know? I'm sorry. I don't know what that what, what do you fed mean by means. Fed means whether it's formula or breast milk. Oh, well, okay. Yes. Fed is best. Um, so once again, you know, you're coming down to a parent who wants to come in. If they're breastfeeding, everything's going well. I'm educating in the clinic. You know, I'm educating the you know, awesome, high five, you come see me every day of the week if you need to see me with breastfeeding help. If I have a mom who comes in two weeks postpartum, is having postpartum depression, guilt because she can't breastfeed, not doing well, oh, you know, oh. that's a different conversation. That is a different conversation. I have a mom who comes says, my parent, my mom never breastfed me, I only formula feeding, um, great for them. But really, what we're talking about here, Q, and it's so important, and I see this daily here in my community, okay. is that uh, there are women, because I'm not gonna generalize, but this does happen, um, that get pregnant, and we're not educating ourselves. <laughs> we're seeing our friends have baby, or we're seeing you know celebrities have babies, and we think that we're gonna be pregnant, it's not gonna be a big deal for nine months, and we'll have the baby in labor, and then the breast, the baby will just go to the breast, and we're, and that's not the reality. So the biggest thing I can tell women who wanna find out, or nurses that wanna do better at the bedside, yes. is educate yourself on breastfeeding, educate yourself on the technique, educate yourself on the benefits, educate yourself on the cost benefits. Mm. You know, formula free, you know, uh, formula, what is it, $6,000 for the first year or something, educating yourself. But yeah, I mean, we can't, you know, debunk the research of antibodies, you know, that are given to our babies, you know, the immune system buildup, we can't debunk that. It's just, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. I love it, I love it. Go, you, the research, you said it. I, I love it. You said it, I love it. You go with the research. That's the reason they have the scientific process. It's amazing. We do all this research on something. Let me say this. Let me say this. Go ahead. Was I breastfed? No, I was formula fed. I'm doing pretty darn good, right? I'd say so. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's not to put down anybody who isn't breastfeeding. Um, make your own choices that are best for your family. Uh, but that's what the research says. So that's what I'm always going to encourage for my patients in the beginning. Makes sense. Makes sense. It's not a do or die, but it is helpful to breastfeed according to the research. According 100%. To, according to the research. Yeah. Okay. Another touchy topic. Circumcision. So can we talk okay. about circumcision? circumcision? Um, I feel like... I feel like when I was younger, back in the day, it was just a normal thing. It's not an issue like, yeah, get circumcised if that's what you want. I feel like now people are starting to question it a little more. And this is the one thing, like vaccinations, I'm all for. Breastfeeding, I'm all for. Circumcision, I'm, I just don't know. Like, sure, I feel like it's more of a cultural thing than it is an actual health thing. What is the actual... Like, what do you say to um, patients that come to you saying, I don't know if I should um, circumcise my young, my son. What should you, what should I do? That, that is a personal preference. It's almost become now a cosmetic surgery. Some insurances don't even cover it anymore because that's what it shows that the, the health benefits aren't really, yeah. no benefits are outweighing the risk or anything like that. 
Um, so when it comes to circumcision, that's a completely independent um, choice for the parent. And there's really no research to say either way. One one outweighs the other. So yeah, yeah, and, and like, and that's what, and that's what I've seen as myself because the research doesn't say do one over the other. It's just out there, right? Like it's just a choice. And yes. right now, it seems a lot like tradition than it does actual science. Yeah, which there is some. There are some studies that you will read about as kids get older, and if the males look different down there than their peers, there is a mental factor that plays a part of it. Um, so I wouldn't say that there, it's just there's no repercussion, you know, if you don't circumcision, because you should take that into account, because as the, the, the boys get older, that will come into play, and that can be a heavy conversation. Oh, that is a heavy, I never, I never even thought about that. I really yes. never thought about that. that yeah. but, it's a, but it is a big deal, because I can remember my football locker room days, and yeah, we know we knew who was circumcised and who wasn't. That yeah. that that's a thing. Like that, yeah. that happened. Well, and, and hearing you know about a eleven year old boy getting circumcised or an eight year old boy, that's not uncommon to hear that. That's so you know, and that is a way more painful procedure oh, yeah. than when it's a newborn, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Um. So let's uh, transition a little bit into the kit. So you doing labor and delivery? Uh, one question I've always wanted to know is I don't know, but I know um at the labor and delivery places here in Boston and where I went for my clinical, once the baby is born, do they automatically go to a pediatrician if something's wrong with them, or do they stay at the labor and delivery unit floor hospital? That's a great question. Um, if there is a problem, they have a NICU. So they'll have a neonatal intensive care unit that is staffed 24-7, any hospital. I mean, any major hospital, even, you know, middle, you know, level three hospitals have in-staff neonatal um, physicians. They'll also have NICU nurse practitioners. Mm. Um, pediatricians, the role of the pediatrician and nurse practitioner, uh, pediatric nurse practitioner in the hospital is really um internists are coming in you know like a hospitalist which is really taking over like a pediatric hospitalist mm. where they stay at the hospital and they're doing rounds on all the babies oh. so i mean that would be for me when i have new families that want to come see me oh they'll say come see me in the hospital and that really depends on the day you deliver and moms are in and out of the hospital so quickly Decent, um, yes. yeah you rarely see you know you rarely see the pediatrician you're coming to the office two days later and that's really the first encounter oh wow okay no, that's nice <laughs> nice all right so let's move over to toddlers kids that age um and this one I, I i don't want the details because i feel like you can go into like there's a million and one how to raise your kid bucks out there but I, there's a few things i wanted to touch up on um so can we just talk about um social media screen time with kids these days is this, is this something that is an actual issue is screen time an actual issue i mean the future the way i see it is the screens are going to get bigger and they're going to be all around us 24 7 are, mm -hmm. I, I, like I said, I don't need to know what your family situation is, what your disciplines are at the house, but yeah. what is, what do you tell your patients when it comes to, my daughter's only quiet when she has the iPad, my son's only quiet when he's playing his video games, I can't control them, they have these temper tantrums, help me. Right. This is such a great question. We literally could probably spend two hours on this. And I'm actually going to be getting into this on my social media account here in the coming weeks because school's starting. I'm going to be hitting um, some mental health topics and screen time is actually one of them. Um, I'm kind of repeating myself here, but this is about education. Okay. So I want you to go back, you know, 30, 40 years when um, TVs were first out and I'm sure there was the same repercussions you know our grandparents Johnny you're watching the TV too much and, but then everybody was up on the TV and then now the TV's <laughs> bad 
Um, the same thing, you know, people are very concerned about the social apps, Instagram, um, what's the other one, Snapchat, um, similar situation, you know, the first, play, the Playstations, or Nick, what are those called, Nintendos came out, okay? Yes. Yes. When I was growing up, my parents were like, we will not have a Nintendo in this house, and well, guess what I did when I ran over to Renee's house, you know, she was my neighbor, I played Nintendo, Nintendo. okay? <laughs> Um, so there's a lot of campaigns out right now that are saying, you know, absolutely no media. Say, you know, um, it, it's destroying families. Um, and I tell my patients that's not going to happen. That's not reality. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And the thing is, you're so right. And like, yes, you're right. Because if you, as the parent, tell your kids you can't watch it, you can't do any of it, it's not allowed. The minute, the second it is available, that's all they want, right? right. And they're going to do it at their friend's house. They're going to do it at school. They're going to do it wherever they can do it. So it's, I think, I think my personal view on this is at least if you have it in the house, you can have your rules around it. But. But, yeah. but, you know, just make sure that what when they are online, you are monitoring them. They can't go to any website in the world. They can't watch any Netflix movie they want. Like, there's a parental, what is it called? The blocking thing. Yeah, it's called parenting. Yes. <laughs> and it's hard. Okay, I got five of them. Um, but let me tell you, I've had, I've had so many conversations with medical professionals, moms, dads. Um, you know, don't give your kid a, a phone until they're 14. You know, never give your kid a phone. Oh, we'll give an eight-year-old a phone. Or, or, you know, there's all, we know American Academy Pediatrics, less than two years of age, very minimal screen time, very minimal screen time. There's standards, there's research-based standards, okay? So, you know, if you are going to give your kid, this is the thing that I do. When I, if I have a babysitter over, actually, that's the time I do let my kids be on their screens, Isn't that, which might sound kind of weird to you. Yeah. But when I'm home, they're not on their screens a lot. So I'll say, oh, they can watch a Disney show on there, or they can be on this thing. That's kind of like their fun time. Um, very limited, very structured. Um, and we know the most important thing, especially for young kids up to teenagers, especially teenagers, is no screen time, no cell phones, two hours before bedtime. That research wow. okay. is so significant. There's a, a reflective blue light in your phone. Yes. Because because I will have um, teenagers come in, oh, well, I'm reading. I read at night. Well, what do you read on? Oh, I read on my phone. You can't. It'd be, it'd be better to watch a movie on a TV because the research is finding this blue light from this light is not letting kids, adults, get down into REM sleep. So we're not even getting into that deep sleep. We're waking up grumpy, restless, and it's because of, you know, our, 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 our devices. So absolutely, that is a standard that should be hard and fast. You don't have cell phones past 8 p.m. Hard and fast, that's research-based. Uh, now, I, am I going to tell, tell you what age to give one to your kid? There's no research out. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you. I love that. Oh my goodness, I love that. And I actually did not know that. That's actually really nice to know the, the world. Welcome. Understand that I'm learning. This is yeah. great. This is great to know. This is good it's information. It's good, right? And it can be basic pieces of information that really can make all the difference. Oh, yes. So. Oh, that's very true. Yeah. That is very true. Okay. Um, and then when it comes to discipline, I want to talk a little bit about discipline. Okay. Uh -huh. um, I do come from... Let's... Okay. Okay. When it comes to disciplining your children, not your children, children in general, when it comes to disciplining children, um, is it 
timeouts that work, but is it the yelling, the screaming? Is it the physical? I don't even know if that's something that is something that's even talked about anymore, but it does happen. It's just a fact. Um, how do you go about um, helping your parents discipline kids? Because I feel like it's just, it's one of the hardest things in the world, especially when you do have a lot of children. I come from a family of five, six kids. So when my older sibling got to do something I didn't get to do, it was the end of the world. When I got a, a toy that my older sibling never got, it was the end of the world. How do you do the disciplining when your kids are just running amok? Okay, I'm gonna say the P word again, parenting, okay? Yes. Parenting, you wish you had all the answers, and we each are raised a different way. We come from different families. And then, you know, if you're getting married or if you're a single parent, um, there is no overall general rule for every single kid. I've got five kids and I kind of parent different for two or three of them. They have very different personalities. Mm -hmm. So people don't want to hear this and it's difficult to do in our day and age because we like to Google. We like to get things very quick. We want our kids to respond to us very quickly. You have to read books. You have to put them on your headphones. You have to read them. You have to go to workshops. You have to be part of Facebook parenting groups. You have to educate yourself. You're raising a human being. So, and it can be frustrating. I totally get it, but I'll have parents come in, um, you know, Tommy, he's four years old. He's on the walls. He's doing this and he's blowing, you know, I can't sleep and I'm losing my mind. And I say, yeah, you're doing great. That's four years old. That's the developmental stage he's in. Right. And so understanding those developmental stage and those milestones, I'll oh, shoot you one second. My light went out. No problem. Um, is so important. It's so important because then as a parent, you can be reassured. Yes. I'm doing, yes. I'm doing a segment tomorrow on our little local TV uh, show here about back to school mental health moments. Okay. Because I tell all of my kids going back to school, whether it's a preschool or a junior, junior in high school, when you start school, you will have a disruption in your regular schedule. It's a change of environment. I don't care if you've been to the high school for three years, you will feel anxious. You know, you will be ornery and tired. And I tell parents to expect that. So then when they come to me a month later and say, oh, well, Sarah's, you know, really anxious. She's been in school for a month and she can't keep up and her friends are rude. I'm gonna shake my head like you're doing and going, yeah, yes. that's about right. How are we gonna manage this and how are we gonna teach her to manage it? Yeah. So understanding those normals is so important in parenting because it gives us confidence. It gives us, it gives our patients and confidence. Oh, I knew that he's supposed to act that way and this is how I'm gonna to respond to him. So you gotta educate yourself. Uh, you know, what I really appreciate about this is that like, yes, yeah, you're telling me what you know and what you think is the right way to go about things. But it is, like you said, like a million times, it's parenting. It's personal to not only each parent, but to each kid from for that parent. Right? So you can't have one answer. You can't discipline every child on the planet the same way. It doesn't no. make any sense. It just doesn't no. make any sense. I no. love that. All right. So let's move into the adolescence. And this okay. is my goddamn favorite. I have fun. This is, this is where things turn up just a little yeah. bit. Just a little yeah. bit. So let's talk about sex okay sex is the exciting time um when you become a teenager and i think middle school getting into high school this is where sex really starts to happen um the drugs come out there how how do you educate are you 
Let's not have sex until marriage. Are you educating kids? Let's get the most education as possible in front of these kids so they know what to do when the opportunity comes or if they decide to do it. Where do you stand with that? And what do you think? Um, and what do you tell your patients? Okay, I love this. Actually, cute teenagers are one of the reasons I went into pediatrics because I did see healthcare providers not talking to these kids. Mm. And that, in my opinion, is a disservice, okay? Our kids are smart, and we wanna be like, well, our kids are lazy, our kids are on their phone. Our kids are smart, yes. you know? And they want to hear it straight out of our mouths. So you're, you're doggone right. When I have sixth graders that are getting ready to go to seventh grade, I do a lot of education about the body, knowing our bodies very young. Mm. But once mm. that kid is headed into seventh grade, I lay it straight out to them. Um, and I actually get really good feedback from parents. I have had a few times, um, you know, one thing I'll just go over, I had a seventh grade boy. He wasn't my patient. Um, his dad brought him in for a physical, usually saw another provider. Um, and I just do my spill. I know it all. I said, people are going to be having sex. Um, you can, if you don't have use a condom, when you have sex, you can get somebody pregnant. You know, Johnny, do you know what a condom is? His eyes were this big. You know, and then I looked over at his dad and his dad was very uptight. And I said, well, this is great. You and dad are going to have an awesome chance to talk on the way home. Because if he, you know, if he doesn't know now, he's going to know very quickly. So once again, what are we doing to our kids? Not telling them so they can go in with their peers and let their peers educate them. Yep. Or the After internet. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, so um, no, it's so it's 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 just it just is life, right? They're gonna find out, or they're gonna do it some way. Um, if they don't get the education, they're gonna find a way to get it done the way they think is right, right? So if you just give them the education up front, tell them that you are open to all the questions in the world. So, yes, it might be awkward. Yes, no one wants to actually talk about these things at the dinner table. Yes, that's all of that things stuff is true. But on, if you don't talk about it, bad things could happen. Right, bad things. Well, I just I feel like it's so important. I actually talked about this yesterday a little bit on my Insta stories. Mm. When parents come in, I've had parents come in and they're having problems with a child, and I'll say, "Well, what does your teacher say?" Oh, I haven't talked to my teacher about it. Okay, well, what are you know their sports coach say? Oh, I haven't mentioned it. Why can't we all come together in our communities? Healthcare provider, coach, teachers. I mean, I want people in my community to be helping my kids. I'm not naive to think my kids are going to need more help than I can offer them. So when kids come into me and I have a chance to talk to them about sex, drugs, alcohol, um, you know, divorce, um, poverty, your dog gone, right? I'm going to take that opportunity. I'm going to let them know that I am a lifeline for them. Mm. You know, you're not alone. And I'm going to let the mom and dad know you guys aren't alone. I'm on your team. If anything happened, people make mistakes. People make different choices. Yeah. I'm here to help you no matter what. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to be doing that for our kids. It, it makes sense. It makes sense. I love it. Preach girl. Preach. Um, Amen. yes. Um, okay. So, um, uh, on the same topic about sex, I think um, in recent past, especially with uh, social media, like the, the Kardashians and all of that good stuff, um, do you have, what are you, what is your opinion right now? On, I don't even want to call it a trend. What is your opinion on the transgender situation that's going on? Do you care for 
any families, any children that are going through transitions? Is that something that if a parent comes in and they say, because I know in, in nursing school, I was taught gender identity is understood and to the child at the age of like two or three years old, right? So if a parent comes into you and says, my child, my child who was born a boy wants to be a woman, um, is that something... I just feel like that transition when someone's a child is such an insane ask because it's it's your life, right? It's not it's not something you can just decide and then go back. You can't make that kind of decision. And if you let your child make that kind of decision, it's difficult. I'm not saying it's not a real thing, but I am asking when parents come in or when teenagers come into you and say, I don't want to be a man. I want to be a woman. How can, how do we have that conversation? And where should we go? Yeah. Well, that's a very difficult conversation. I'm not a specialist in that area. Um, but how I can kind of approach this in kind of a basic situation, um, because I'm not trying to label this as mental health either at all. Okay. Um, it can also be a little bit like, um, you know, a diabetic, you know, we don't really see a lot of manifestations on the outside, but we know they have insulin issues yes. and they're diabetic. Okay. Yes. Um, the same thing when somebody comes in and says they have anxiety, I can't see anxiety on the outside of their body. Right. Um, so a child comes in or a parent comes in and they have gender issue, um, identity crisis feelings. That is going to be such a team approach. There's no, um, yes or no to that at all. Um, because we're going to bring on psychologists because either way, we're going to need that experience and research. Um, we're going to bring on endocrinologists to make sure, check all testosterone, estrogen, we're going to check all levels and everything like that. So that is a very broad, um, topic. Um, but one, but one that has to be broached very sensitively. So, um, I, I treat all my patients. It doesn't matter, you know, any type of their background. Um, once again, my job is to establish a safe place for them to come in, to be able to share whatever issues, whatever feelings, medical, mental, emotional, um, that they're going through. Um, great. Um, I'm almost done with the, um, medical questions and then we can end up with your future in nursing and how you do all that good stuff. Um, so let's talk cause we've mentioned mental illness quite a bit in these conversations and we even like just the general topics I brought up. So let's talk about a little bit about mental illness. Um, it's very difficult for me. And I know, um, these days kids are running all over the place. You throw Adderall at them, you throw, you know, all of those medications at them. But, 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 um, I know in my personal life and in the hospitals I've been at, we don't really start diagnosing children with mental disorders up until the time they're adolescents. Do you see mental illness in children like kids, toddlers, babies, you know, 10 years old? Do you see that or does it only show up or get diagnosed when they become teenagers? Right. Well, you're going to see more prominently in teenagers because of the hormone level changes and everything at the developmental stage. Mm. We're going to see it more prominently with that age group. That being said, Q, um, you're right. There are a lot of parents that bring their children in that are younger. Um, man, if I could tell you some of the stories. Um, so that's why it's so important that parents, that even individuals, if they don't have kids for themselves, find a healthcare provider that they trust, that will spend time with them, that will educate them and that will care about them. Because it's sad, you know this as, as a nurse, we know this in our field, that you will find healthcare providers who just wanna give a prescription, I've gotta see 35 patients, quickly get out of my office. Um, and that sounds harsh. It does. It, it sounds harsh, it's real. 
you know? Yeah. Um, and I mean, I literally, I can see a mom's face sitting in my clinic, new patient, come in the room. She had four prescriptions on her lap. How are you doing? I'm Cammie Kessler, I'm your practitioner. She said, I-, I don't know how I'm doing because I went and saw this other provider at a different clinic. He told me to fill these prescriptions. I don't know what they're for. Um, I'm scared to fill them. And I just, I shook her hand and I said, yeah, let's talk about this. You, you are right to come here. You are right to do something if you don't feel good about it or know the why behind it to come to somebody else. Exactly. So, you know, yeah, we're not going to be pushing a lot of Adderall. I, I, there are screening tests that all healthcare providers should be going to. That is a tracked substance. Mm. Um, it is a powerful substance. Is it needed? Yes, it is needed. So I'm not saying yes. um, But, you know, nobody's coming into my clinic and getting a prescription with no follow-up, with not seeing a psychologist, um, and without being educated by me. And we're really not, you know, the research shows for Adderall and ADHD and, you know, those type of, that's more of a third, fourth grade. So that's, you know, we're talking about like seven, eight, nine-year-olds is earliest that we're going to start seeing that. Um, But that that should not be a one-man show. That is a total team um, approach to that. Okay. So and it's, it's important to recognize that. Very, very, very important. Um, um, I do go through, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, she's mentioned her social, she's mentioned an Instagram. Um, the reason I'm talking um, to this wonderful nurse practitioner is because... I follow her and I love her on Instagram. I love you too. You're so So just got to let you know. I just want to let you know. You have the perfect picture family. Oh my God. Oh, you're nice. The the family, your family looks wonderful. The entire family looks absolutely wonderful. Um, So on your Instagram, you do these things called the pediatrician pearls, the pediatric pearls. Pediatric pearls. Pediatric pearls. Please share with the world some pediatric pearls. What is it? What is it? How often? do you do it and why i just i love that i love them remember this cue i know you've heard about this from nursing school this is our medical terminology medical pearls or medical zebras do you remember that a little bit from nursing school yes um i started that because when i first started working in my clinic i had a bunch of handouts and i would notice people don't want the handouts they leave the handouts so then i started having parents take pictures of my handouts we'll just take a picture you always have it on your cell phone yes um because education is my jam. That is what I love to do. And so I actually started that account for my patients and families because, you know, people were coming in, they didn't even know when, a, what a fever, what's a fever, when should I bring the kid in? Well, heavens, here's a pearl. You know, it's this valuable tiny piece of information, but man, it, it is powerful and it can make a huge difference, right? This piece of knowledge. So that's what a pearl is. It's a small thing, but man, it's valuable. So I started sharing these with my, my families. Um, it's become something so fun for me to do and the feedback from um, the Instagram community has been awesome and for my families it's been super awesome so I've loved it yeah I know pediatric pearls I love it I think I'm like it it helps you remember when you have it in those nugget size like bits of um, information it really helps you remember it as well as just be nice to hold on to Um, okay please 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 um, let us know where can we find you Uh, Facebook your Instagram whatever you've got let the world know because you've given me so much please well i'm just i'm just a little i'm a little small instagrammer i'm really trying to work on my youtube channel but i got five kids so i'm getting there so you can find all my content um just right there on instagram at cammy kessler underscore nurse practitioner and i have some things in the works for the fall for website and stuff but that's where you can find most of my stuff 
Okay. Um, so to end this, I do want to. I want to talk about your future. All right, because yeah. it looks it looks bright as ever. Um, so, uh, so do you see yourself? You said you weren't that um, like excited to jump back into school, but do you see yourself ever um, um, DNP? Is that something that you even thinking about? Um, you are a nurse practitioner. It sounds like you're in a really good place, but do you yeah. want to do that? I will do that because I would love to be a professor. I would love to teach. Um, but uh, currently there is no benefit to do that in the position I am. There's no change in salary. It really doesn't do anything extra for me, um, which I, I think it's great if people choose to do that or if it's incorporated in their program. Awesome. I mean, the more education you can get, the better. But for me, for the stage of life, for my children, I'm just utilizing the heck out of my master's degree and loving every minute of it. Congratulations. Um, and then um, I don't know. I, I know like maybe maybe two or three uh, nurse practitioners that have a clinic. Would you ever open your own clinic? And is it even possible in the state of Utah for a nurse practitioner to have a clinic? That is a great question. Yes, it is possible. I can work independently, which is also a difference between a physician's assistant and a nurse practitioner in our state. Um, will I ever do it? I will never say never. Of course. Who is that? Justin Bieber? Or is that? <laughs> I can't remember. Whoever it is. <laughs> um, you know, probably not. I have five kids, and actually, when I was in master's school, I took a business class, and mm -hmm. I had to look into that. You have to give everything you've got. Um, it's a financial investment, um, and I love my five kids. I love my husband, mm -hmm. um, and I love my families, but i got to find that balance. So for me, that's probably never never possibly going to happen. Um, I'm really trying to get more into some humanitarian work and stuff, so that's kind of where my heart is also. So right now it's a perfect gig for my stage of life. Okay. So I have to ask, um, you're a nurse practitioner. Uh, we're, this is It's over. I know. I'm sorry. Your baby said, I got you. I got you. Okay. I wish we had longer. Um, well, but I have to ask, you're super busy. You're a nurse practitioner. You're, yes. You're a full-time mom. I mean, that's nonstop, 24-7, 365. Um, yes. and, and, and the husband, all of this, the Instagram, the social. Yes. What does Cammy do for fun? What do you do for your me time? Right? Like, how do you get out of all of that and just say, let me be me for 10 minutes? That's a great question. Actually, that's something Q I've actually been working on for about the past six months this year has been a, has been a kind of a transformation for me um, because you do self-care is so important and um, our lives, me and my husband, you know, we grinded through his medical school and residency and training and then I went back to school and I've been grinding through that. Um, and yeah, I've really noticed how important it is to stay up on your, your self care. I do find joy being with my family. Mm -hmm. I do love to be out with them. So that is something that brings me joy, but taking care of myself, I'm really into orange theory. I don't know if you've heard of that. I love running in the mountains with my sisters. Um, and we're a very outdoors family. I mean, if you could find me anywhere, it would be on a lake in Idaho surrounded by, you know, pine trees. Um, and then I'm also really taking up yoga this fall. Thank so I'm working you. on that. So thank you for bringing that up because that actually is super important. And um, I think as nurses, um, our hearts are servant hearts. Yes. And sometimes we forget to take care of ourselves. And you remember that that's not a selfish thing, that that's a needful thing so we can take care of other people. Yeah. So thanks for asking me that. I appreciate it. Of course. So ladies and gentlemen, I do want to let you know something before I let her go because um, I, I, I mentioned this when it is only true. And it is true in this situation, okay? So she says that her main 
go to if you want to catch her or any of her content is Instagram. And it is so true that it is Instagram. Love your Insta. Um, but for those who have questions, for those who want to reach out, this conversation, this interview, what you are seeing right now is only possible because I jumped into those DMs. She does respond. So jump in those DMs. Go follow her. Comment. Have that the conversations that you need to have. I, we, I asked her some crazy brazen questions and she answered it open-heartedly. I'm sure she would do the same for y'all. Um, please, please, please go check her out. I am so thankful that you came on. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate this. Come see me in Utah. Come oh. see me. <laughs> <laughs> got a place to stay on here, buddy. Woo! Uh, y'all heard it. Y'all heard it. It's on camera. That's right. Um, so, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome back, you guys. And for you first-time listeners, welcome, welcome, welcome. And thank you, thank you, thank you to all of y'all. I really do appreciate this. Everyday Hero Show. Today is Sunday, and it is another episode of the Everyday Hero Show. And this week, <clears throat> excuse me, I have I brought to you guys Cami Kessler, absolutely amazing um, nurse. She is actually a nurse practitioner. We go through the list of everything I could ask a nurse practitioner about, for, ranging from vaccinations to breastfeeding, circumcisions, mental illness, the whole god. Damn nine. If you have a question that relates to health in any way, shape, or form, Cami has the answer. Wonderful, fantastic nurse, nurse practitioner. She is the definition of nursing goals. I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you very much. <laughs>